Hello, and welcome to this new edition of the Fuji Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about OpenJDK 19. Welcome to the Fuji Podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. Since Java switched to a six-month release cycle in 2018, we've seen a steady flow of new versions with a fixed timeline. These new versions focus on stability and improvements that are reviewed, tested, and approved by the community. And this is a completely different approach compared to the Java releases before 2018, when there were several years between each release. And on the 20th of September, Java 19 is released. We're recording this podcast on the 19th, looking forward to the new features and changes that this release brings. Now, today, we're talking to some of the key people involved in the Java community. Hi, I'm Ilse Wegner. So I am one of the members from JCP Executive Committee. So basically, aside of my work, I am reading all proposals that should be confirmed and agreed that it goes to the new OpenJDK releases. On the other hand, I think uh, each uh, new JDK release brings a significant improvements. And I don't know, I don't have a measure, but I think it's always more than around 20% faster than the previous release. So it definitely makes sense to upgrade, even when you don't have the long time support version. So small pods just update the release to test it. And today we're going to touch some results of the project Amber Panama Loom. Let's see how it goes. Hi, um, I'm Mary Grigleski. So I'm a drug leader, Java users group leader um, in Chicago. Our community's got over 3,000 members. So I'm like representing this community of Java users. There are lots of actually Java installation in the Chicago area. Um, I myself too, I'm currently a developer advocate at Datastacks and I've been working with Java since 2000. So quite early days, actually back then was doing some swing and it's kind of now it's all kind of all different. And so I've been, you know, doing all these work and uh, efficacy development, technical architecture and uh you know, I can bring a lot of value in terms of bringing, you know, from more of the user's perspective as well. Um, and now I'm working on event streaming. So that's actually more all the more interested too to find out, you know, what Java can do, especially going forward, supporting some of these kind of very nifty technological advances, I guess, in more of the concurrency space. So. Hey, everyone. Uh, uh, I'm uh, Deepu Keshashidharan. Uh, I'm a Java champion and the co-lead of uh, Jacobstub. I work for uh, Okta as a developer advocate for Auth0. Yeah, I have been working uh, with Java for 13 years now, not coding lately, mostly just evangelizing lately as a developer advocate. But I'm quite excited uh, uh, to talk about uh, JDK90, especially uh, since it has some of my uh, favorite uh, features that I'm looking forward to, like uh, virtual threads, the new um, foreign function interfaces and stuff like that. So quite excited to uh, discuss about these. And I'm Eric Koslow. I recently joined Azul as a senior director of product management, helping guide security capabilities into the primary JRE, um, the Azul JDK, to help people uh, develop and deploy more secure applications. All right. Now, the way that we usually get our podcast started is by covering a variety of articles that have been written in the Fuji community by different members who just cover news and what's going on in their realm of Java expertise. And we've had a couple uh, articles written recently that explain some of the features that are going on in JDK 19 um, and just the different features, what they are, who they're for, and how you can benefit. 
So I'd like to just walk through a couple of these. And Deepu, I know you were talking about one uh, before we started that just covers the concept of what is Project Loom and what are virtual threads and how do they make our applications faster? I wrote about uh, Project Loom. It was a project that I have been uh, you know, quite interested in for a while. So I have been following it uh, from the time it was announced, was going through all the name changes, concept changes and stuff. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, something that attracted me towards Go was uh, its uh, Go routines. So finally, I'm happy to see something closer uh, in, in the Java space. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, the article will give you all the information about uh, what virtual threads are, what structured concurrency is, and what you can expect from it and stuff like that. So uh, please do go through the article in Fuji. I also wrote about uh, the foreign function interfaces in Fuji. So you can also go through that to get an idea of where we are uh, in terms of uh, you know, foreign functions in Java. All right. Um, so Miro, I know there's some other things that are going on in Java 19 other than just virtual threads. And you wrote an article about what can we expect in OpenJDK 19. So do you want to give a bit of a summary about uh, what you wrote in terms of other capabilities that are coming out? I need to first just sum it up what is coming actually in Java 19 as they are coming, not new features actually, but improvements one of the most significant improvement is in the project loom which is the virtual threads which are continuing work it's a third incubator and there are some improvements so there is the other feature which i wrote it in the article and i don't remember to be fair but it's a structural concurrency just a framework how to simplify the running and joining multiple threads it is quite of nice it's you can do the callbacks if uh, your scope crashes. So uh, it's really uh, simplifies the using of threading because in my daily job, I see a lot of codes as everyone others. I'm working as a principal in, in as a developer actually. And I see there's some kind of difficulties how to, how to approach the topics of concurrency and multi-threading. So other kind of features uh, which are not really as uh, for me, it's the project Amber. <laughs> Definitely continue work on the pattern matching and switch cases. I, I heard many times the kind of complaints that Java is too verbose and so on. But this project Amber just really reduced the amount of code. And if you do use it properly, according to the creational design patterns or structural design patterns, your code will be very minimized. Together with the records and improvement performance on the records, sealed classes, and so on. So it definitely makes a sense to take a look on Java and migrate from this perspective. Other features that already been, been available on 18, as a, I think it was in 15 past, right? The text blocks and so on. I don't know what's other opinion, but for me, I, I really like it. And I'm looking for the next release. Awesome. Um, and I know the other article that you were alluding to was about um, thinking how through how to do massive throughputs with virtual threads. Um, mm -hmm. And Mary, would you like to talk about that a little bit? So essentially, too, I think the whole goal is to increase throughput. And uh, in order to do that, right, because your platform, your operating systems are all limited, you you can only do so much. So you try to increase the throughput by using virtual threads that are managed by the JDK. In that case too, I look at it more like, okay, we're using JDK sort of as the middleman, so to speak, and kind of give you the illusion of 
being able to kind of increase your your memory, which actually you have limited, um, but it kind of gives you the illusion that you can actually do that and then have JDK manage the virtual threats in that sense. So, so it is exciting, I think, in some ways too, but also um, anytime you leverage on another middleman, so to speak, to kind of manage this kind of layer is going to also, at the same time, right, you, you're benefiting from virtualizing all your threats, but it can also make you know the management side uh, tricky as well. So it's, it's probably theoretically, it's great. But when we come to actually using it, there are lots of these tiny little things you need to be managing and all of these. So it's a good thing. So and uh, there, there's, there's a lot of promising things in there, but still being worked on at this point. So we'll be, we're waiting to see how effective and how good it is. And is it going to be buggy, uh, handling all of these little inner workings that needs to happen. So all right. Now, to just have a couple conversations about this, I know um, not all of these features are being released in JDK 19 at the same level of availability, because one of the things that they have is the concept of preview features. I think um, some of the features, like Loom in particular, you have to enable a flag to indicate that you want to use this preview Let's just talk about what capabilities you need between a development environment where you're willing to to tinker with preview features and how it relates to production environments or situations where you need that robust viability. In this specific release, if you compare it with the previous ones, uh, I think except for the Linux uh, RISD port, everything is either preview or incubator feature. So I consider preview features to be a bit more production ready than incubator because of the specific reason that there is no documentation, proper documentation around the incubators or it is extremely outdated. For example, like the if you look at documentation for the foreign function memory, it's like documentation probably wasn't updated after JDK 14 or something. So it's if someone tries those examples, they are not going to work and stuff. Whereas for uh, uh, the preview ones, it's slightly better at least. But using them in production, I personally don't recommend anyone to use these in production because for the fact that the APIs might change, things might break, break, especially for the foreign function memory API because it has a large API footprint. So using that in production would be a lot of effort to do in the first place. And then for with each version, if you have to migrate and like, you know, work on that, then probably not. But for Project Loom, um, at least for virtual threads, the, the API surface is quite smaller. So you can actually afford to use that in uh, production if you really want to and still get away with, uh, you know, not having to change a lot because you can actually get away with using that in preview if someone really wants to. And uh, looking at the performance of uh, threads and, and we know it is going to work, right? Because uh, Golang uh, uh, proved how uh, efficient user mode threads are. And that is one of the reasons Go became such a, uh, uh, such widely adopted, not just because it is simple, right? It, it had extremely good uh, user mode threads. And uh, even at the initial numbers, looking at the initial numbers and performance, Project Loom seems to be like the virtual thread seems to be like far ahead in terms of performance uh, uh, when compared to platform threads. And the fact that you don't have to resort to complex architectures like uh, reactive or, or even uh, asynchronous programming to uh, get better throughput, might be good enough reason for someone to consider using it in uh, production, but having to use the preview flags and stuff is still a little bit uh, a barricade, I would say, for everyone. But yeah, that, that's my opinion. 
So I think one of the benefits that the preview flags did is that was one of the ways that they were able to dramatically decrease the release cycle, whereas it used to be multiple years. And you have to get feedback as you build something, like especially when you go to have virtual threads, you can have difficulties. Anytime a new complex feature hits the real world, you have all kinds of feedback that comes back to you, not just on the tech side, but also on the usability side. So I think by having a flag that says enable preview because I want to try this, it really expands the opportunity of people to experiment with them with virtual threads, with the foreign function interface um, versus those who have to specifically go out there and download a new JRE with these capabilities in place. Um, Also, it probably makes the JDK a little more fun to work on because you can build features and get feedback on them and have things uh, iterate and just work well with something that's continually shipping versus working on something that starts falling behind and then having to catch up and then having to finally release. So it seems like it's easier to work on and gets more feedback from people. We've been brought to article like about the virtual threads so we saw in the incubation first, second, the the executors when the actually actual implementation has been running has been shifted. So there have been drastic improvements. So I know back to time when I work on Robo4j framework, which is the for small uh, devices and better system, right? We implement with with there was a platform press that was still the Java eight, then the day, and we just really been able to make a significant fast throughput to passing just the task, just the runnable task on the, on the executors and control the executors. This is basically what is happening, but virtual threads are way better because they can postpone the threads. They are passed on the executors, but the virtual thread there's implemented logic to postpone the execution of the task. So if this is the why, then can be pretty, 13 millions or maybe more threads created because it's actually postponed the execution by the platform and the platform threads are not stuck. So this is very cool feature. And I may, I may think it will be contributing to high throughput, but in special area of task. I wouldn't recommend to use the task in very hard processing operations like involving IO requesting other tasks where can delay can be task and the threads can be like uh, stopped <laughs> or run in the cycle. Yeah, that needs to be careful. So it needs to be considered in the design, but it's a very powerful feature, extremely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the difference is vast. Like uh, when I was uh, yeah. running uh, virtual threads was normal, I was able to get 32,000 of platform <laughs> threads, of course, because of garbage yeah. collection. And like 14 million of these, even with yes. garbage collections. Like, so that yes. was like, wow. <laughs> because it has the logic, it has yeah. the mark, and it just postponed the execution of the task on the instruction level. And this yeah. is amazing. Like, yeah, that's a very core, cool feature. This is different, right? When you have the part platform threads, when you initiate the executors. But actually, this, it should have a reason why you initiate the executors or why you having a thread running, right? There needs to be... A reason to do this because platform threads are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. should be always careful about this. Actually, to debugging it is probably better to run <laughs> the platform threads because I tried to do the fly recording with uh, virtual threads and the release, I think 18. And yeah, it, someone needs to already know what is going on there in order to get it right. 
yeah. but, it, but, but it's a preview right so yes and uh, yeah and then you are right the, actually there is a, in java 19 there is a they add the builder there in the thread builder that you can create a builder that you don't have to have a factory in order mm -hmm. to create the names but it made this this kind of cool feature i think great may <laughs> make the alt code unstable if someone extended the thread class and make a builder for himself so oh, come on it can be incompatible yeah. then but there are such as caveats but i think it's worthful to refactor the code yeah also i think given that these days especially like a majority of use cases for java like especially like web apps and stuff like that people using threads directly probably would be like a minority i would say most people would be using some sort of frameworks and yeah. and in that case i think the the benefit could, would you know go to the end user quite fast yeah. because pretty sure most frameworks are just going to migrate to which other i mean why wouldn't they? i mean if i'm if i'm having a framework why wouldn't i migrate to that right uh, unless i am <laughs> doing some niche where i really need platform threads and control and stuff yeah. then maybe but for everything else why wouldn't they use I, I i have to keep going back to go for this because that's yeah. a success story we all have and and, <laughs> and, and, and go prove that you actually don't need platform threads you you can get away with just having uh, uh, coroutines right so yes yeah it, it, we have a case study that that proves that so why wouldn't you migrate to this so but i say maybe someone other has a different opinion i see the java is a very powerful tool actually is a very nice api it gives you the feeling that you can work with the memory like you want but it is not true right <laughs> you cannot do deeper and we saw many times some different kind of composition of the code according to concurrency yeah so i mean it's very nice to observe that java works hard on giving the user kind of way how they should think about the concurrency yeah. and how to show and in order for my way it's more each release yeah it doesn't matter if it's lts it's getting more that you don't need many other frameworks it started with the text blocks it started with the switch expressions you know there you don't need to guava and so on anymore mm -hmm. such mm -hmm. kind of and uh, local variable types and so on so you you really can do really nice code with, with the java in my yeah, way we are definitely getting there <laughs> yes, and I, I'm happy to see it. Also, my heart is beating Java. Although I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm still a polyglot uh, developer, no. you know, so I, I, I still work with uh, other languages. And to be honest, these three aspects, like uh, you know, uh, the concurrency part, the foreign functions, and uh, pattern matching, this has always been uh, something that used to annoy me in Java. Because mm -hmm. I was using, I was using like JavaScript, Go, Rust, and everything, and they all have like pattern matching. Yeah, man, great pattern matching yes. uh, features. Like uh, FFI is much more simpler to do, much more stable uh, to use, and and uh, threading is much more uh, easier to manage. <laughs> we all know. I mean, Java is powerful when it comes to threading, but using it properly is a different story, right? Yes. With all the and the way that uh, uh, we do it with the synchronizations and also, it's not the most intuitive way to. Work no. with them, especially for beginners and like you know. So I'm I'm quite happy we are going in this direction and we are making it simpler. I'm actually quite excited for the structural concurrency uh, feature because it is definitely going to make uh, you know the those use cases much less brittle, uh, yeah. where you don't have to you know write all that logic to handle all this thing yourself. Because I, I remember writing logics to handle these things in some like during my consultancy days when I was uh, you know building application for people. <laughs> I remember having to uh, specifically write so 
much so much logic to uh, make sure okay if there is a threat blocking okay you know uh, roll back the previous things and like all these there that was so annoying so i'm like if if we had this it would have been much more easier to write those kind of logics where you have you know like like multiple uh, uh, parallelism uh, going on yeah. so i'm quite excited for this Yes, I think the this structured concurrency offers a nice way how to create a callback back to the Java. The same, it's very nice. Yes, I agree with you. Like concurrency itself is a different topic <laughs> than just using if else uh, a construct. I, I do want to mention that heart my heart is beating for Java. It's I'm also using uh, many many other languages uh, uh, like last time the Kotlin. What I what I observe Kotlin, Scala, and so on. And on the big bigger project is they are those languages nice. They they may have some kind of really nice features that how can you structure the particular code on the one line and very short. But if you implementing the the design patterns which you theoretically wants to have because you would love to maintain your code, right? It turns into that they have also the problems. So in order to solve that, for example, the callback to stop it and Scala, so you need to do some stuff. And the same with the Kotlin. It's also it's amazing language. It's great. It's really I love some features there. Yeah, actually the Sun Java is now going to closer, <laughs> but anyhow, it provides you nice features in long term run. If I if I take a look on the complete application. I would probably migrate it into Java, make some many things easier and more type safety. And I've, I know that at the at the end, the com, JIT compiler will dynamically compile the instructions. Yeah, but anyhow, I think that there are for those languages a lot of additional instruction to to be created. So the Java will be still the performance, although it will be optimized. <laughs> As you see, like the JVM is very powerful too. It will be from long run. It will be optimized. So I just like to kind of supplement a little bit because you brought up to the fact that you know now I mean with JVM the thing the nice thing about it is that yeah most users are not going to be worrying about that layer of coding. But let's say here in Chicago we have a lot of trading companies like Chicago Mercantile Exchange. The board options exchange, all of these, they in fact because they realize their frameworks um, tend to be slower than if you can write things natively. So they actually take upon themselves and and uh, at least I'm aware of mercantile exchange, right? They doing their own trading uh, algorithms, all of these things. So I think they are going to be happy to hear about you know having like virtual threads. They can actually implement and really increase all their throughput. And then with all of the electronic trading, they are really handling huge volumes of data. So I think they're going to be very excited about it. So some of my members are kind of quite excited already. Yeah, that that that's that's definitely true, and I think it is even more true for structured concurrency because I don't think that will be handled a lot in framework level. So that probably will land in user space where they are doing parallel stuff. So I think that would be a lot more impact for users, like in terms of migrations and stuff. So I think we have been talking a lot about Project Loom. So maybe <laughs> we should also uh, talk a little bit about the other uh, uh, cool features. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, cool feature. There is a Project Panama, right? Yeah. I'm personally excited about how how it goes through. Maybe we don't talk talk about this because this is kind of specific, and you need to be very into the Java details. What yeah, is yeah. happening with the with the heap? Memory yeah, yeah let's go into the details. Like you know, I I hate JNI. I hate JNI because I'm a huge fan of memory safety and stuff. I I hate C C plus plus. You know, like 
Uh, I consider them the plague of uh, software industry at this, like with, with all the security vulnerabilities coming. That's one reason I really like Rust because you know it, it kind of <laughs> forces you to rethink and you know stuff like that. So I like the first time I actually started learning about JNI uh, was like uh, I think uh, ba- again back back in my consulting days uh, uh, we had to integrate this uh, really legacy PDF writer into a Java application and like so we had to use JNI for that and it was horrible it was a horrible experience i wrote about that in the in the fuji thing and on, on my website about explaining how uh, how ridiculous jna is the fact that i cannot even 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 if i forget all the user experience aspect of jna which is horrible uh, <laughs> the memory safety aspect is just horrible i mean why would you take a memory safe language a relatively memory safe language and add uh, something there where you expose the entire JVM memory as a, var- a pointer you to see, see, sorry? <laughs> you mean unsafe? <laughs> yeah, 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 like why would you expose that JNAN, right? Like that's, that's yeah. technically the JVM memory and you are passing that as a pointer to C code. Why would you do that? So you're throwing away safety of Java and so why not just write everything in C++, C, C then, right? So I, I, I hated that. I used to tell people never use JNI uh, you know, <laughs> unless it is the last thing that you have to do or unless yeah, someone yeah. has a, a, a you know, gun to your head. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite happy that finally we have something to throw away JNI, forget that you, that ever happened or existed and like move, move away. Yeah, you know, you know, but the goal is, of the project is to implement the API above. <laughs> not just Gen, Gen I will be still there, but, yeah, but uh, probably but... no one will be used, and they will be really yeah, happy. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's really nice that you have uh, that you have the way and the decision to access the off heap memory where can other competitive like other competitive languages play. Like it can be C, it can be COBOL, <laughs> it can be whatever, but you have access. Kinds of night transparent API, how you can access the memory and how you can read it. I, I would say that it's easy to to understand to get the memory liars to get it right. You need to know what is happening with your language in order to have addresses. Yeah, but it gives you this the safety that what you read is going to be what you expected, and this is very big difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it will be very faster when you have, you know, what what you need to do. So it will be nice. Okay, you you haven't done this. Okay, go away. Yeah. Don't <laughs> so there you are reading too much or you are reading too less. So go away. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I am really curious where it's going to, how how far they go, and maybe better in the next release or next LTS. Yeah, release it will be ready to to use hopefully it's How still in incubator right i think yeah. uh i think it's the first one yeah it's preview now okay vector is incubator yeah so hopefully yes. hopefully are. one or two more previews yes exactly but they are already iterative so there are mm-hmm. already iterations so they are not the first ones and the foreign definitely is like a first i mean i'm guessing there might be two more previews so hopefully by uh, JDK 21, it could be stabilized if yeah. there are for, no further more changes. So we, we might have that uh, maybe both uh, virtual threads and uh, the foreign functional memory API could be stabilized by 21. So, okay, it's still it's still a bit far far away, but not, not bad. <laughs> I'm excited about this uh, because maybe it's come out that when this is ready, so other, other support of other languages comes up onto the JVM. So, yeah, but and, uh, it's C, C and drop, right? So I yeah. think uh, we can already use, I mean, I already tried out with Rust. 
So I think yeah. anything that is seen drop should 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 be fair game. So I think that <laughs> I think I I wouldn't personally ask for more than that. Uh, seen drop is good no. enough, I would say, and you can work with any other uh, seen drop languages. And I think that's what most of the languages provide anyway. So I think that that uh, for me that that would be good enough. And J extract makes things <laughs> yes. much more easier. So I really appreciate uh, uh, you know uh, that when this feature was built, it was not just the feature, but the tool was also made that it will make it easier yes. to you know uh, work with large uh, header files and stuff because otherwise you'd have to still uh, hand code all that and it's a lot of boilerplate, right? So that's yeah. it's quite nice that uh, you know there is J extract which makes things easier. Yeah, yeah, so maintaining those header files is always extremely difficult for anyone who does JNI. So can you talk a little bit more about what J extract is and how somebody would use that if they're a C developer, a Python developer, a Rust developer to get interact interoperability between Java and their language of choice? I think it will again be like, uh, so we'll be working in terms of C headers, right? So for example, if I'm, if I want to uh, run my Rust uh, application in, in, in uh, with, with uh, you know, the foreign functional memory API, then I would uh, generate uh, C headers, the Rust supports generating C, C headers. So I'll generate C headers and then I, uh, I'll be using J extract. Uh, I'll be, I'll run J extract against that C header, which generates my uh, Java skeleton for that. And then I'll, you know, yeah, basically import that and use it in my Java picture. So that 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 part becomes easier. But I think what J extract might not do is when you have a lot of memory manipulations happening uh, in your use case, then you might have to you know uh, work further, uh, use the API directly to do that. But again, it, it is still uh, uh, reducing at least half the boilerplate that you would otherwise have to do, especially on large headers, because in real world use cases, I would say you're not going to work with one or two methods from the you know the other language application, whatever, right? You might be using multiple a lot of methods, and uh, uh, running J extract seems like the the best way to start. Then you further modify based on what your particular use case is. So it is a great start, I would say. All right. So moving out beyond features a little bit, there's a couple different Java versions that are pretty prominent in the industry now. In terms of long-term support releases, you have Java 8, you have Java 11, you have Java 17. And I think the next long-term support release is um, going to be 2020 or 21, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Mary, you have a jug with quite a few different people in it. How are your members handling which version of Java they choose? Actually, interestingly, to be honest with you, there are still folks using Java 8. And and I think mainly too, is like their companies that they are with um, from talking with them, they're just management. They feel it's risky every time if you just even do a minor release upgrade. And they, because to them, their production systems are of, you know, utmost importance, cannot go down all these things. And so members do tend to come and join the jugs. They are more progressively minded. So I see they're kind of a, a bit of a frustration, I think, dealing with trying to convince their management to try to upgrade. And at the same time, also kind of reassuring that, okay, the upgrade isn't going to cause big headaches. And that's what companies is worrying about. But certainly too, in terms of like members, they are all excited. They're always ready for new features, especially when they're, you know, kind of like working with some things for a long time and they realize they wanted to do more if their feature, you know, the, the, the current version isn't able to meet their needs and they have to write their own, you know, additional code to handle some things that otherwise you can get it in a new version of a JDK, for example. So, yeah, so that's the, the situation that I'm seeing right now in terms of their readiness to adopt. So, 
Okay, so there is a pretty high concentration on people using Java 8, the version, like there have been Java 8 patches since um, then, but Java 8 was first released in, I think, 2014. I think I'd say not all are using Java 8, but I was surprised to find that quite a few are still using Java 8. I didn't haven't done like a, you know, actual statistics kind of asking how many are using 8 and how many 11, but certainly to their increasing number using 11 as well. I'd say probably majority of people are using 11. But um, still, some are still on eight, and a few actually already upgraded to seventeen. But it's kind of fewer than you know the actual that we would like to see. So, okay, so that's eight and eleven with a number of people moving to seventeen. So, how about people on the medium term or short term support releases that are in between those, like a, a Java thirteen, a Java fourteen? Um, Miro, do you have any insight into um, people who are using those? I, I need honestly say I don't have any insight. Uh, using, but I know the companies, uh, they are actually migrating their microservices according to uh, six, uh, six months release uh, model. And of course, uh, the core features are standing on the long-term support, but uh, there are some, some features, that uh, some pods that can be deployed, some small containers that actually it doesn't matter which kind of version it runs. And this kind of uh, in middle release midterm release, they can be used for testing and statistics and so on to see and testing new feature. I actually adopt new feature into the team, uh, which I make a sense. So I see very, very few only on in big companies, like, for example, <laughs> like in size of Azul <laughs> or, or Echo or Red Hat and so on. I think they are testing and running some stuff. So we've talked a lot about Project Loom, Amber, and upgrading between different JDKs. Um, but what are some what are a feature that each of you really likes and are kind of personally excited for? Personally, uh, it's it's definitely uh, virtual threads that I'm uh, most excited for, followed by uh, uh, Project Panama, maybe. But one thing that probably you know, uh, underrated or what I see as a great direction for Java is record patterns. Uh, it's great that we, uh, you know, started uh, incrementally adding support for pattern matching, like uh, the the uh, pattern matching for switch and all that stuff. And I think record patterns opens up uh, a, a new, you know, uh, arena to make pattern matching complete. Because whatever pattern matching we have in Java is still not complete. If you compare to any other modern language, it's still not complete. You can't do a lot of fancy stuff there. With record patterns, I'm, I'm hoping that we are moving to the direction of being able to pattern match classes, for example. That, that uh, I'm hoping that would be the next uh, iteration. I saw some discussions about uh, at, at the class level to kind of define how uh, something will be destructured. I mean, destructuring is uh, great for developers' experience, I would say. Uh, and, and I think, uh, I hope this is the first step in uh, Java having powerful destructuring capabilities like uh, you know uh, uh, other modern languages. Uh, where uh, you know developers can write all these like like in Scala or Kotlin or, or Rust, you know, you can write is all these beautiful destructured uh, assignments, and you can you can reduce your huge if else spaghettis to like few lines of this beautiful code. So I think developers will be uh, excited. I mean, it's not going to add like value in terms of being fast or whatever, but developer productivity is going to be better. I would say developers are going to be much much more happier. Uh, writing those. Uh, so I think it's an underappreciated feature and it's nice that we are opening up that door and, you know, going, going there. 
I found it also the record classes quite a useful in, in order to DTO file, especially when the behind the scene generates for you the two string hash code and equals, which <laughs> if you have a team from 20 people, when the, the, the kind of experience is distributed. <laughs> so it's very nice that you have a, a records doing that all that for you. It's easy to review such kind of codes and to maintain because maintainability, you, you talk about the developer productivity. Okay, so that's nice. Uh, but maintainability is also the right part of productivity because if they produce one line code or something which is completely unmaintainable, that it's not productive. Yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> yes. Uh, then I, I really see that this 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 kind of jump would be observed on the even new releases, each new releases is getting here in Java and in order. And I heard from Mary about the kind of manager aspects that they are avoid to migrate the new releases and so on, that they have a struggle uh, with this. I, I'm just asking if everyone is running the ABS or any other cloud provider, whatever, and building the very big images and paying for so many instructions of being run there. And if they think, okay, let's save this money <laughs> with smaller images <laughs> and invest their, this money into the refactoring and make code stable. It, I think it may be untestable, in many cases testable, because the new features, especially this pattern matching Project Amber, it gives you the way how even unexperienced guys can test code. Uh, even with, uh, with Panama, with the structure, concurrency it will be testable and this is the key like and i think it's worthful to put those money you spend in investing creating super big i i saw four gigabytes big images which doing nothing <laughs> and paying for them in order to create a few hundred megabytes image with the new release i mean it's a trade right anyone needs to decide well what do you want to pay your team or just AVS or any cloud provider? Also, I think it's it's also quite important for the language to keep up, right? I mean, there's yeah. so much uh, uh, newer languages, the, uh, the competition and, and, and especially newer generations of uh, developers. They also, I see that a lot, lot of people also uh, care about the, the convenience the language offers, how cool it is and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think these kind of features, I mean, we can't, keep justifying not having this for a long time. So I think you have to catch up at some point and, and, and provide those fancy, cool features. But you are working for a hipster, right? The chase hipster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, but, but it, it, it's true, you know, like uh, uh, I like those, like it feels nicer when you have, like when I'm writing Rust code, it feels nice that I can do that complex destructuring. It, uh, sometimes it's like a challenge. Okay, how how much can I push this? In terms of destructuring, how can I? Uh, I know it's not like probably not the most readable uh, sometimes, but sometimes you know it's like okay, how much can I uh, can I do this in one line with hey, with the crazy destructuring yes. instead of like four or five ifs? Can I do that? Yes, I can. So yeah, okay. So I yeah. think there are people like that. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree. I do remember back on time like a couple of years yet, I've been writing the code in COBOL. So <laughs> I had to maintain, oh, well, COBOL, you have zero testability, so you really <laughs> follow stuff. Yeah. And uh, then you work with memory, and I found the copybooks extremely cool feature, which is maybe uh, our uh, foreign memory access is getting there. 
then you can really transfer whatever sequence of bytes to whatever you want. But in Kabbalah, you cannot just verify it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyhow, I do I do agree. I definitely do agree. People love to work with the new. Some some young people generation are more excited, not about using the proper design patterns. But about using the features. Which <laughs> hey, developers <laughs> also need to have fun. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you just review, okay, how many instructions do you have? Come on. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so sometimes it's too much fun. It's too dangerous, <laughs> especially when you are responsible for the project. If not, so it's fine. <laughs> and and I actually I do agree. I mean, sometimes to kind of make things more nifty, so to speak, is the way to sustain your language as well. Because as such, Deepu is bringing up there are competitions too. There are other ways of doing things, but we need to get keep up with it and then retain that level of interest or if not increase. And especially young people, I think they will love kind of this kind of nifty features. Yeah. In order to kind of keep, keep us kind of sustain the whole ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. you, you, you hook them with these features, then they stay yeah. for the JVM. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. The, the young developers, they don't care about the heap stack, method stack. Well, why? <laughs> Why actually, should they, right? <laughs> yeah, I should actually share with you too, because even with my Chicago Java users group, I'm seeing a bit of a decrease in interest and in people coming. And I, I just recently did a survey and then was trying to see what people like to uh, see, right? If we have speakers coming. Amazingly, a lot of them actually want language features. Um, that, that's something I should be sharing with the community larger in large too, because I was asking, do you want like system level stuff? Do you want like, you know, frameworks and all that? And actually there was one guy that commented, or guy or gal commented that, well, sometimes we don't really care so much about the other things. We want to know how the language can be made better. And we want to learn more about the language. I don't want to disclose where this happened, but I have been in discussions where the choice of programming language was like, uh, 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 you know, like by say, say if there was a voting, majority chose based on how cool the language and how how much features it has, rather than like the other. The other is like, yeah, okay. I mean, but how much fun needs to work with this? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's an important aspect. It's an overlooked aspect, but it's quite important that you know, when you're working with something, you also need to have a little bit of fun. If it is not fun at all, if it is only about the performance and stuff, then, you know, you kind of, you don't have that interest. But anyhow, I would love to comment, just jump in. Hey, if you have a really not nicely, unfriendly written the code base, it doesn't matter the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they say, that's a legacy. Yeah. That's a legacy. Yeah? That's right. Okay, that's a legacy, man. Just don't touch it. Yeah, and that's very, That's what the very unfriendly. Doesn't matter. And I had this kind of stuff in Scala. I had also this kind of stuff in Kotlin. And it does not make, it doesn't make it fun. I hate Scala. It's 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 too complex uh, 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 a language. It's it's the other extreme of having fancy features. Like uh, there's too many guns that you can shoot uh, your own foot with. So well, you need to have a discipline, right? It, otherwise, the gun is shooting. <laughs> and if you have, if, yeah, if you work with number of people, not alone in a project, and that <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's I work with some Scala code bases and. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I was like not happy about it. <laughs> this can be funny. Yeah, yeah because they, I think it's very, I, I personally think it's for data analysis, it's amazing. 
Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with all the overhead it generates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just forget for data analysis is my but you need to have a kind of uh, my experience, you need to have a kind of same level of knowledge and awareness people there. Otherwise it's very complicated. Yeah. Hey, it still doesn't <laughs> help when everything is implicit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice what Mary said that the people are more taking care about the the platform itself. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what I what I'm missing is we work too hard on to introduce the models, yeah, in uh, uh, modular product jigsaw, which gives you kind of really security on the platform, the class level, and it allows you to reduce. We we get the seal classes, which reduce you to inheritance, right? And as I see the seal classes, oh yeah, I use it in project, yeah, for but we have a plan on how to use this. Yeah, so there is an architecture diagram that even newcomers need to do, need to see it, but they are used right now kind of nicely in the JDK itself, and they are doing very very nice jobs sealed classes. But I may think that they are not that fancy <laughs> because they need to use be used for purpose. It's a very powerful yeah. feature, but this is what I think that uh, young generation or newcomers are missing. Just people are not able to give the enough purpose. Okay, that's the cool feature. Although it is, it's it's the one of the guns, but <laughs> other from the Scala way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you the security and the module I haven't seen actually, to be honest, like very few projects that have been using the modules, Java platform modules. Yeah, yeah true. That's I sad. I've seen that a lot as well. Yeah, no one wants to refactor all the frameworks. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I wasn't it in Java 19 is coming to improvement the reflection APIs. So yeah. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but at least it is helping with this uh, incubator preview kind of things, right? Uh, with the yes. modules. So. Right. Uh, modularity was introduced to make the JDK easier to work on, not necessarily yeah. for um, the downstream projects or the people who yeah. need to use it. I think it's serving its purpose already with this iterative previews and like incubators but it's a nice way to modules you know to have the legacy code okay let's create a module let's name module here is the legacy and let's build above that can be very powerful feature in order to refactor to get rid of the nice code which makes everyone unhappy in the team All right. So that's a lot of really good information. So I just want to say thank you very much, uh, first of all, to all the guests of the episode. And thank you for listening. And please keep an eye on Fuji for future articles about development and everything related to the OpenJDK world. Thanks and have a great day. Give me a Fuji. Give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.